0: Everyone, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And, you know, people tend to categorize me as someone who likes to avoid controversy. And I don't know if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes. We've been talking about politics. My little great producer over here says each episode is getting a little bit more controversial each time. But um, you know, we're basically just talking about politics, kind of what does it mean for a Christian to interface with it? What is God calling us to do? What is our attitude supposed to be? the government, what is the right way to kind of think politically, those kinds of things. We talked two weeks, ago, two sessions ago, basically about this idea in Romans 13, where Paul talks about being submissive to government, that government is ultimately a good thing and authority comes from God, and that we really need to have a different attitude than most of us do, that we need to have an attitude of, of, of submission and humility, not one of anger and rebellion. And then the last time we looked at the passage where Jesus is told that it actually is proper to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. They're trying to trap him in this controversy. And we see in the way that Jesus handled that, I think it is important for us to not get sucked into unnecessary controversy. And to really kind of reject and just binary good, evil, bad, good. I mean, just kind of this, this I'm right, you're wrong overly simplistic approach to politics that too many times we just kind of get sucked into. Because I think it is of incredible importance that when Christians enter into the political realm, that we be thought of as thoughtful and compassionate people. And not just compassionate on the position that we take on the issue, but compassionate in the way that we interact and talk with other people. Can I interact with people who think differently than I do and and be compassionate? and be compassionate and be kind and and recognize that actually if the the issue is more complex than that it's not it's not so simple and i see why you see this differently than i do and if we could just at a minimum be compassionate kind considerate and thoughtful at the end of the day i don't know that it matters as much who we vote for as far as the big picture of what it is that god has called us to Kind of people that we are supposed to be, I think, is of much more incredible importance than what our view of taxation is. Whether or not we believe in regressive taxation, progressive taxation, whether or not we are more libertarian or believe in more centralized government, federalism, like, are those really the issues? When really our issue is about our heart and our love and our compassion for one another. And so I just think by and large, Christians, we can just do a little bit better. We can be a little less angry, a little more humble. We can be a bit a little more submissive and a little less rebellious. And I think we can just be more kind and thoughtful rather than argumentative and spiteful. And so we've just kind of talked about those couple of principles today. And I believe, you know, maybe you didn't necessarily like the some of the examples that I use, but I think those principles from we taught from those two passages. Romans thirteen and then Matthew chapter twenty two. I mean, I pretty much stand behind those principles as biblical principles as far as submission, trust, humility, thoughtfulness, compassion. I, I think those are very obvious biblical principles. I think in how to apply them and whether or not you think the examples I used were were good. Maybe you think some of the examples I used are actually. More straightforward than that, which to apply my own message, hey, that's totally fine. But I think I I I hope that we can all agree that we could just use a little bit more, actually a lot a bit more kindness and compassion and thoughtfulness in our political arena. And I believe that God's people should be the ones who are bringing that the best. And so what we're going to do for now is we're gonna we're gonna move from teaching on what i think are some very clear teachings of scripture and looking at passages and we're going to we're going to delve a lot more closer to hey here are some random thoughts that charlie had uh, and i believe that these things certainly have biblical bases but there's not like hey read this passage and this passage is clearly talking about christians interfacing with their government these are just more principles that are just important to me as I think about the way that I think about politics and how to make good decisions and who to vote for, and some of you Sherlock Holmes types are going to try to look at all of this together, it's like, I can figure out who Charlie tends to vote for. Funny thing is, is that I think my, my closest friends think I agree with them, and the people who know me the least think I disagree with them, which... It doesn't really matter what you, what, what you, who you vote for. It just seems to be whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. That's kind of the way it seems to align. So let's just kind of go into these principles. And I guess if you want to, you could drop me a note, info at thegrovechurch.org, and just let me know, hey, I hated all of that. Or which ones you liked or you didn't. We can talk about it a little bit if you'd like. All right, so we'll start with this one. Number one, not everything that's morally wrong should be illegal. And not everything that is morally good should be mandatory. And I think there's a sense in which we kind of all understand what that means. Should everything that the Bible says is wrong be illegal? Uh, I mean, I can give you one. Should, should you go to jail every time you tell a lie? Hey, I'm almost home. I'll be there in five minutes. And really, you know, you're 15 minutes away, but you're just kind of saying that to, um, so you don't get in trouble with your spouse or your kids or your roommate or whatever. Or whoever you're supposed to be picking up, should you go to jail for that? should Should that be should that be illegal? You know, we, you know, we think about things around sexuality. I mean, is should adultery be illegal? Should divorce be illegal? I mean, there's certain things that the Bible says that are that are wrong that shouldn't necessarily be illegal. And there, are, there are obviously there's some things about murder, stealing. And those things, yeah, we should think those things should be illegal. And so there's a line somewhere. And so one of the least thoughtful things that I think that are put out there is like, you know, when someone says that the Bible, the Bible says it, therefore it's wrong. And that should affect how we think about what the. So then the government should make it illegal. I mean, no one really thinks that. But no one also, people's like, hey, just because your religion says that doesn't mean we should do it. Like we should try to, we should keep religion completely out of government. Well, no one thinks that because people always when the Bible aligns with their party's positions are more than happy to refer to it as a biblical principle. You know, all of our morality comes from somewhere and our our morality as Christians comes from God's word, who God is, the person of Jesus Christ. And that morality informs what we think is right and wrong and it absolutely should govern our lives and there are some of those principles that should conform themselves into public policy. And there are some that we should just leave well enough alone and allow freedom. And so freedom versus control, um, understanding the difference between public morality, again, stealing, killing, abuse, those kinds of things, and personal morality. Where that line is, we may disagree on. But there is a line somewhere, and again, not everything that's good, a good thing, should be mandatory. I think we we see this in Scripture as, as, again, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus and Paul talk about that we have freedom in Christ and that the best paths to good Christian morality are found through freedom over control. And so we use these words, we use words like freedom, but do we really believe that that we should have the freedom people should have the freedom to make wrong decisions and not be forced to make a good decision I think all we all in principle agree with that again we're just having a hard time deciding when and where to draw the line one group of people will 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 put abortion into the category of that is that is a a moral evil and we should definitely draw the line on the other side of that other people will use the freedom argument for that. Other people, when they're thinking about compassionate giving to the poor, will think that that should be mandatory. While other people will think that is that is something that should be done completely out of charity and should not be mandatory. Can good-hearted people disagree about those things and talk about them? Obviously, the answer to that's rhetorical question. People can't. We need to we need to say ugly things to each other, but we should we should be able to have those kinds of conversations because we all agree. And those principles, we just disagree about where to draw the line. Here's the second one that I think is important for me, kind of governs the way that I think about public policy, is that we should be an advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves. We should be a compassionate outlet for people who cannot speak for themselves. So again, depending on who you are, I think we all agree adults should be advocates for kids. We should be advocates for people who have been historically disenfranchised. We should be advocates for people who just for whatever reason do not feel like they have a voice. Again, I believe that this is an incredibly biblical principle because all throughout both the Old and the New Testament, they're always talking about how when they're thinking about the way that their government was supposed to work, they would always talk about how special consideration needed to be given for the widow, the orphan, and the stranger, the widow, the orphan, and the alien, the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner, said different ways. But all three of those groups, what they had in common is that they didn't have land rights. They didn't have the ability to own land. And so they were dependent groups. And so they did not have really means apart from compassion and help from other people for anyone to take care of them because they could not own property. And so they were going to be just on the fringes of political and personal power in their society. And God always said, I've got a special heart for them. You need to have a special heart for them too. And so who are those people? Again, you're hearing this, you're going to hear a couple of different, you're going to hear a couple of different things. Some of you are, that is, that is one of the reasons, again, why the um, pro-life anti-abortion movement is really, really important to you that, 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 because there is literally they don't have a voice, the unborn child. Other you are going to hear racial politics in that, and that and that um your or is or immigration policy. You know, the 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 immigrant who cannot vote um has no political voice or power, and we need to speak for them. Poor people and races that have been historically been disenfranchised or hurt, they may theoretically be able to vote. But because of their minority status, or because of a lack of wealth or institutional power, they don't have a strong voice. We should advocate for them. But I think we can all agree in this principle because it is something that is of incredible importance to God that we be advocates for those who do who cannot advocate for themselves. All right, how much we're getting more or less controversial here as I go through my list. This one, this, one, this is the closest you're going to get to some of my political opinions. I am personally, and um, just throw this out here. I have historically not given you many of my political opinions. This is one I've always been willing to throw out there, which is this, is that I advocate for what I call the full pro-life position, which means for me that I am, um, I don't like abortion. I don't like the death penalty and I don't like war. I don't like those things. All of those things result in death. And I am I'm, I'm against that. I am an advocate for life. And so you, ha- you thought you had me there for a hot second. And I put all those three things together. And I say to you, I think that we as Christians should be advocates for life. And we should be against things that lead to death. And so if I say that I am, to use political terminology, that I am pro-life, Anti-death penalty and anti-war. I ask you, who should I vote for? Just leave a little awkward pause here for a second while you think about that, and the answer is, well, there isn't any political party that aligns with those values. That is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. These are the things that really ma- those are some of the things that really matter to me, and my views and my things that I'm passionate about don't line up with any particular political party. I want us to be a voice for the voiceless and I want us to be advocates for life. Well, there is, I mean, in in the binary that we have, there really isn't a political party that aligns with either one of those. And so I'm left with uncomfortable decisions all the time where I'm trying to prioritize based on the things that I think that are most important to me. Let's say there are 10 things that are important to me and I rank the 10 and some go with this party and some go with this party and I do the best I can with what I have. And I don't, Therefore, say, because I voted for this person that, that i 'm going to defend them to the death, and they are clearly right about everything. I know because just you know the way our system is worked, there really isn't anybody who completely aligns with my values i don 't think there's a party that aligns with god 's values. we have parties who align with god 's ideals sometimes in some issues and not in other issues, and so we do the best we can number four i don 't know if I can make this one sound biblical or moral at all. I'll just this is kind of who I am. Results matter to me more than words. You can say that you advocate for something all you want. I I I want to bring the cost of health care down. And so therefore vote for me and vote for this policy. The question really would be, does voting for you and voting for that policy actually do the thing that you say that it's going to do? And this is the thing I hate. This is good just get a little ranty here and Isaac, maybe just can you start get sweating over here and get nervous man the way that they kind of name these bills, they just come up with a name for them, and the most recent one, the inflation reduction act that's not that was not what that that's not what that bill was I mean I'm not saying it was a good bill or a bad bill. I'm just saying that's not what that was, but you just give it a name. you give it a name hey and and there and and really it was more of a i mean it was a it was a healthcare bill and it was a it was a climate bill. But you give, it, you, give it, you give it a different name so it makes, it makes it makes it feel better or sound better. And then you come back around, people who voted against it, it's like you voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. No, I voted against this particular bill for these particular reasons. And this is not, that's just the most recent example. I apologize, Democrats, that you may feel particularly called out. We'll just wait for the next one. Another one will come around the next time there's a Republican president or a Republican. This is what we do. I mean, it's just like the, I, I love babies and ice cream act. And really, all it does is cut taxes. I mean, it's just like, what, what are we even doing? And so it's not what someone says, and it's not that the intent of a policy, the intent of this policy is to bring, to help people out of po- poverty. Does it? You know, this is you know, to, to allow people to have more access to health care. Okay, did it? And so to, to me, it's a, it's a question of what kind of effect does it have? And I'll go one better i I think it's important to think about what second level effects are. What are the second level effects of that policy? It's just like if we, you know, people, you know, there's a there's a circular there's an argument that just kind of has been going around my whole life where people talk about the minimum wage. Well, if you if you raise the minimum wage, then prices are going to go up, you know. And so it's not just raising the minimum wage might be a good thing, but it also has a second level effect of making things more expensive. Or does it? We need to understand the answer to that. But every, everything has a second-level effect. We should cut people's student loans. That seems like a good thing. It's a kind thing to people. Will it have a second-level effect? Will it, in fact, make education more expensive moving forward? Hmm, let's just see. But are there any people asking those sorts of questions? Will this thing do the thing that we say it's going to do? And will it have a second-level effect of some kind? And finally, number five, this is an old debate from the 90s that I still think is true today, which is the character of the person you're voting for does matter. It just does. And this is a hot debate back in the 90s when it was original George Bush versus Bill Clinton, because we had decided that Bill Clinton had bad character and original George Bush had good character and character mattered. Because Slick Willie was just a blah, 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 blah. We just, and that's kind of what we decided. But somewhere over the last 30-ish years, it's just gotten to the point to where I, I don't know that anybody agrees with that anymore. I'm not looking for somebody who's got good character. I'm looking for somebody who is as angry as I am, who is as snarky as I am, and someone who's going to fight for the things that we believe in. man. How do you know if somebody's going to really fight for the things that you believe in if they don't have great character, if they're not the kind of person that you can trust? If it can be said, and again, I honestly think I'm hitting everybody with this one. I think they'll make a good president, but I wouldn't trust them with my daughter. If you're saying that, man, I think you just need to reevaluate. I just think there's some just things we need to reevaluate. And again, you may you were, you may feel stuck in a binary choice, and you don't feel like you've got a good choice. Maybe you don't feel like there's anybody that you can vote for that you would trust to watch your kids. Okay, fine. You do the best that you can, and 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 vote for who, the, the 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 lesser or the better. You know, I vote you know the lesser of two evils or the better of the two. But again, the binary thinking that we're talking about, you know, I, just because I voted for them doesn't make them some sort of hero. Because honestly, character matters. And until a group of people decide that we want good, honest, straightforward, moral people to lead us, until we all decide that, it's not going to happen. And so collectively, it doesn't seem that any of us care anymore. And I'm just telling you, it still matters to me. And I put all of those things together. By the time I tell you I've got the true pro-life position, results matter to me more than rhetoric. We want to be an advocate for those who can't and character matters. You might, if, if you are trying to Sherlock Holmes this, probably the best conclusion you've come up with is, I bet that dude gets frustrated every time he tries to vote and you win the prize. And the reality of it is to kind of put all of this together, my hope isn't, that's not where my hope is. That's not where my life is. Because of Romans 13, I want to be a good citizen. And it says, I give to my government what I, what's asked of me, honor, taxes, revenue, whatever. It also asks for my involvement, for my interest, for me to be a voter, to be an informed voter. And I give my country those things because it is the appropriate thing to do. But I do not give it my heart. I do not give it my life. I do not give it my emotional well-being. All of those things belong to God alone. And I give them to him. You ask me what gives me hope, God gives me hope. What gives me life? God gives me hope. What what is my hope for the future? God is the hope for my future. I am, I am neither, I am, I am not stuck on the results of the last election. And my hope is not in this next one either. My hope and my trust is in God, but I continue to be a citizen that is engaged and active and interested and, and informed. But as primarily someone who follows God, I do all of those things with humility, with submission, with compassion and thoughtfulness. And my hope would be is that as you interact with some of this and you like some of it and some of it that you didn't, at a minimum, we can move collectively together as God's people towards just being a lot more compassionate and godly and thoughtful in the way that we think and especially in the way that we interact with people about politics. I said this at the beginning of the of the three series. If, you know, whether you agreed with it or disagreed, you like, hey, man, I, I like that this this series was a little saucier, a little more, you know, had the, at least the potential to be controversial. If you like that, hey, just let me know. If enough people do, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk like this. We don't do it much of it on Sunday morning because in Sunday morning, there's gonna be a lot of new people there. Things, you know, people don't know me as well. You're more likely to be misunderstood in those contexts. So you just need to be a little more careful in the things that you talk about, but it's not that I'm nervous about talking about them. I just want to think, of, talk about them in a thoughtful way, in a way that I'm least likely to be misunderstood. So if you're interested in that, just shoot me a note, uh, info at thegrowthchurch.org, or if you know me, you can just come up to me and tell me that you liked it. Actually, what we talk about actually really does get, you know, the needle does get moved by when people come and comment on one particular series over another. So if you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it, just let me know, and um, that can kind of inform where we go from here. But again, thank you so much for joining us and joining us for this entire series. And if you're local, we'd love to see you at the Grove Church. You check us out, our website, grovechurch.org connect. Get all the details and info that you need about our services. We'd love to see you. If you're not, you can still go to that same website, and find out about our streaming, Either way, just let us know you've been listening. Any way that we can help or serve you, we'd love to know. And again, thank you so much for joining us.